Welcome to Cars Yeah, show number 756. I think the thing that really has helped me is to realize that every day is important and the journey is really what matters. This is Cars Yeah, where you'll enjoy interviews with inspiring automotive enthusiasts. Mark Green is here to provide you with a fuel injection of automotive inspiration. So get in, sit down, buckle up, and get ready for a wild ride here on Cars Yeah. Hello, automotive enthusiasts. I am revved up and so excited to introduce today's very special guest, Jim Gallickenhouse. Hey, Jim, are you buckled up and ready for a fun ride? Absolutely. All right. Great to have you here. Jim Glickenhaus is General Partner and Managing Director of Glickenhaus & Company. He's a writer, director, and producer of a number of major motion picture films. Jim's an enthusiastic collector of historic cars, mostly vintage racing cars, and he's the Managing Director of Scuderia Cameron Glickenhaus, where they focus on building bespoke endurance race cars. He and his team design and build significant sports racing cars that compete in endurance races around the world. His passion for special projects brought Paninfarina to Jim, where they created a one-off, including the acclaimed Ferrari P45. That car led to the P45 Competizione, a spectacular endurance racer that won the FIA World Championship for hybrid GT cars after winning its class at the 2012 24 Hours of the Nürburgring. Next is the SCG003S, an equally unique and special racer powered by a 3.5-liter twin-turbo V6. Jim, I have told our listeners just a tiny, tiny little bit about you. Would you take a brief moment to share a little bit more about your career and, of course, your obvious passion for automobiles and racing? Yeah, for many years, I've been lucky enough to collect cars. I started collecting cars almost 40 years ago, and uh, the good news is I haven't sold cars. I, I bought great cars that I loved and was lucky enough to be able to afford, and uh, I kept them for a long time. So that passion of collecting, really, I think it begins with your age. And when you're a teenager, that's sort of where you get stuck as to the cars that you love. But when you were a teenager, you really couldn't afford to buy them. And I was always loving the great Ferraris of the 60s and the uh, Cobras and the Jaguar XKEs, and the Le Mans racing cars. And the cars that I came to love were race cars that raced at Le Mans. But also in those days, they were really road cars. They had headlights, taillights, two seats, luggage compartments, windshield wipers. And in many cases, the race cars were driven to the track, raced, and even could drive home or to Paris for a celebration after Le Mans. And over the years, I began modifying race cars to make them more streetable. Uh, the first car I did that with was a Lola T70 X Donahue McLaren that had won eight major races. And um, I modified it. I made it more comfortable. I put an air conditioning. I cooped it. It originally was an open Can-Am car so that you could drive it a little more easily. And that really began my passion of race cars for the road. And that continued over the years, as you've said, with the one-off Ferrari P45 by Panin Frina, my Ferrari 
P34 chassis 0846 that uh, Chris Amon and Lorenzo Bandini drove to first overall at the 24 Hours of Daytona. My Ford Mark IV that Mark Donahue and Bruce McLaren drove to fourth overall at Le Mans and is currently the only existing Mark IV that finished the 1967 Le Mans that is still uh, functioning and driving on the road. And, uh, of course, I also have the oldest existing Ferrari, chassis 002. It was the third Ferrari made. The first two have been destroyed, and it has continuous history from 1947. And that car was a race road car that won the Turin Grand Prix, driven by uh, Raymond Summers. That passion turned into... Scuderia Cameron Glickenhaus. Scuderia is Italian for racing stable. Cameron's my wife. I'm Glickenhaus. And um, we basically one day said, what if we started from the ground up and we built a car that we designed, engineered, built from the ground up. It used no components from any other manufacturer. And that became SCG 003, basically the third car that the Scuderia was involved with, the first being the Lola, the second being P45 Competizione, and the third being 003. And our ultimate goal was to make a fantastic road version of that car, which we are in the process of finishing up. We debuted that at Geneva. That's uh, SCG 003 Stradale. Uh, That's powered by a 4.4-liter twin-turbo BMW based engine that uh, we developed for 800 horsepower, 850 newton meters of torque. And that's a very luxurious hyper car uh, that we begin offering for sale worldwide. Wow. <laughs> that's about all you can say after all of that. It's it's absolutely fantastic. The last time we were together was on the lawn at Pebble Beach when you had that Ford out there with all the other car, the Ford GT40s out there on the lawn and uh, absolutely spectacular. Well, this is going to be a fun talk. And as we continue on your journey, I always like to start by asking my guest for a success quote or a mantra. It's a nice way to get those inspirational tires turning here on Cars. Yeah. So Jim, take the wheel. Yeah, I, I think the thing that really has helped me is to realize that every day is important and the journey is really what matters. You know, destinations come and go and we dream about destinations, but sometimes that can get in the way of just enjoying every day. So my advice would be focus on the journey, enjoy the journey, and the destinations will sort themselves. Spectacular. Definitely the way you've lived your life, that's for sure. Well, let's go back in time. You've been a car guy for a long, long time. Would you share a story that instigated your passion for cars? Is there a pivotal moment when you go way back when you realize that you were indeed going to be a car guy? Yeah, I would have to say that that was when I was probably about 10 or 11 years old, and I went to the New York Auto Show, which used to be on Columbus Circle on 56th Street. It's now a gigantic complex, and the auto shows moved downtown. But Mr. Uh, Kennedy had on display the Ferrari that had just won the 24 Hours of Le Mans. And the car was dirty, it was battered, the seats were sweat-stained. And I think at that moment I realized that there was an incredible beauty in race cars, but that racing was very brutal. And I think that's what started me on on the road to wanting to build my own race cars and to build my own road cars. What a start. Wow. 
Well, Jim, let's head down some of the many roads you've traveled. You've done a lot of different things in your life, from motion picture industry to building race cars or racing yourself and so forth. I'd love for you to share a huge challenge or even a big failure that you've faced along the way. The most important part of this question, though, is not so much what happened, but it's how you dealt with it and what it taught you. So tell us how that experience helped you gain even more momentum in your career, your business, or in your racing endeavors. Well, I think the key is, you know, it's sort of like the kink song where they say, Hollywood Boulevard, they say, those who are successful, be always on your guard because success walks hand in hand with failure down Hollywood Boulevard. And I think that's true. I mean, I think that you cannot be afraid to fail. If you're afraid to fail, you're never going to try to do anything. The opposite thing is also important. You have to dare to try things that are a little outside the box. You know, when I was called by Panin Frina and said, would I consider commissioning a car? I had to think about it and uh, say, well, how can I do something that's a little out of the box? And for me, that was taking the most current famous Ferrari supercar, which at the time was the Ferrari Enzo, and reinterpreting it. You know, the mechanics of it were cutting art, state of the art. But to me, I think Montezemolo with the Enzo wanted to make a design statement about Ferrari's relationship with Formula One. And I think it worked on that level, but it didn't really talk to me because to me, sports cars were road cars. And the car that really stuck in my mind visually was my uh, P34 that uh, won the 24 hours of Daytona. So I sent that car over to Panin Farina and I bought a brand new, it was really the last uh, unsold Ferrari Enzo, brand new, shipped it over to them. And I said, look, use my P34 and the Ferrari DNA of the great sports racers like Dino Competizione, which I strangely eventually wound up owning, uh, my P34, the 512S's, and make an homage to that but make a modern car that can stand on its own. So I think that was the really stepping off point. And then when that morphed into, you know, shall we say, some interesting moments with Ferrari, because Ferrari really didn't know that I was doing that. And when they found out, they were very annoyed. Luca went and started screaming at Andrea, you know, how could you have done such a thing? And this car can never be a Ferrari. And uh, Andrea looked at Luca and said, Luca, I don't think you understand. Jim doesn't care. I mean, so it won't have a Ferrari badge. He's made something, and he's very happy with it. And then Luca demanded to see it, and in a bit of Italian opera, Andrea went into his office, pretended he was calling me to get permission, and then took Luca up onto the roof where they had the car under a tarp. And when they unveiled the car, Andrea told me, it was the only time he'd ever seen Luca de Montezemolo stop talking. He just (laughs) looked at the car and said, oh, yes, this is a Ferrari. It's beautiful. So strangely, that's how P45, which became an official Ferrari, Ferrari P45 by Panin Farina, came to exist. It wasn't an official project when it began, but when Lucas saw it, he said, this is a Ferrari, and officially it became a Ferrari. And I think it's probably the only Ferrari that was built entirely outside of the Ferrari system with no input from Ferrari that became a Ferrari. After that, I went looking to go racing. And, you know, I approached a lot of people 
who said, well, you can't race this car. It's a one-off. And the other thing is that the V12 engine, frankly, is no longer suitable for endurance racing. It's fuel inefficient and uh, it's too heavy. So we basically said, what if we redesign it, reimagine it a little bit? We started with a base of 430 Scuderia because I wanted it eventually to be road legal. And the Ferrari uh, GT2 we used as an engineering mule. And we built a car that originally I called Ferrari P45 Competizione. And Ferrari got in touch with me and they said, Jim, you're trading on our name and no one will let you race except that it's a Ferrari. And I said, you know, guys, I'm just tired of getting yelled at by you. And I went on YouTube and I took the Ferrari badge off the car and I put my own family badge on the car. My family badge basically is the torch from the Statue of Liberty, the sky blue behind it, the red, white and blue flag of America, the font from the Declaration of Independence, Scuderia, Cameron Glickenhaus, SCG. And yes, it is the exact same size as the Ferrari emblem. But the reason that is, is that I originally had the Ferrari badge on the car. When I took it off, I didn't want to redo the carbon fiber. Ten million people watch that on YouTube. And then Ferrari came to me and said, why did you do that, Jim? <laughs> so anyway, that was uh, that was how P45 Competizione came into being. And we raced the 24 hours in Nürburgring. And the second year, we converted it to a hybrid kinetic energy recovery car. And as you told your viewers, we won the FIA World Championship Cup for uh, hybrid energy cars. And interestingly enough, since now I was the constructor, SCG, SCG won the cup, not Ferrari. So that's kind of interesting. <laughs> what a wonderful backstory. Oh, my gosh. Wow. Fantastic. Great. Thank you for sharing that. Very, very cool. I've seen that car. I had the pleasure of seeing that car at Pebble Beach. And, oh, my gosh, it's just stunning. Absolutely stunning. You guys did a fantastic job. Let's shift gears and go to the what I call the other end of the spectrum, a career aha moment a racing aha moment it's one of these times when the headlights come on and kind of illuminate your way for a new idea or new direction and a new way to go tell us about your aha moment and how that led to success well i think what happened was when i was thinking of making scg 003 initially i wanted to make a very beautiful car uh like for a p45 or p45 and there was a revolution happening in racing at the top of the Le Mans class, the LMP1. And basically, those cars were reimagining what made a car fast. And instead of moving air over the car to the wing, they were moving air around the car to the wing. They were cutting out large sections of the car to reduce the uh, frontal area and the drag. And the cars were unbelievably quick. However, they were a little hyper-technical looking. They weren't warm and cuddly. They weren't curvy. So, you know, Paolo Garella, who had been head of special projects at Panin Frina when we did Ferrari P45, and he worked with me on P45 Competizione, he said, what if we try to make a GT car with a lot of the aerodynamic elements of an LMP1 car and still try to make it look reasonably cool? And that was the aha moment that became SCG 003. And interestingly enough, if you look at the Ford GT, the new Ford GT, they um, saw what we did and did the same thing. We were before them. And if you look at the rear of the Ford GT, there is no question it's influenced by SCG 003. And I think, oddly, even Ferrari took some of the stuff we did. I mean, if you look at a LaFerrari, 
and you look at Brory P45 by Panin Frina, you can see where they got some of their ideas. Now, I'm not saying that we invented that because we went back and took some of the proto- the DNA, of course, the Ferrari DNA from the P4 and Dino Competizione. But I'm saying that I think that I pushed Ferrari to reconsider that. I think they were very afraid of going retro or having retro designs. And I think when they saw that uh, Ferrari P45 could incorporate visual homage to their history and not look retro, it freed them to go down certain roads that I think if um, we hadn't done that, Ferrari wouldn't have gone there. Very interesting. Wow. Very cool. I would assume over time you've had many, many proud moments, many accolades, many uh, achievements, but is there one in particular that stands out that you'd share with us? Well, I think winning an FIA championship is a pretty amazing thing. A lot of privateers have dreams and there have been some incredible ones. I mean, Carol Shelby began as a privateer, uh, Briggs Cunningham for sure, Jim Hall, I mean, his chaparrales, which are just a part of history that will never go away. But I felt that in my little way, when um, I you know, was involved in the design, engineering, construction, and racing of a car that won an FIA championship, that's pretty special. Uh, yeah, yeah, very Very special. Absolutely. Well, let's go back in time here. I've seen your collection of cars. Absolutely spectacular. I mean, it's just a a dream garage for sure. But let's go way, way, way back. What was your very first very special car? And maybe you could share a memory with that vehicle. And since you said you've never sold anything, although I know there's one, and we'll talk about that next. But uh, what was your first really special car? The first car I owned, I, I didn't have a driver's license. I was 15. But I bought a 1954 Studebaker that was a really beautiful car. It was designed by Raymond Lowy, who designed the Avanti and the Coke bottle. And I got from a junkyard a Pontiac Catalina 421 cubic inch tri-power motor and a Corvette gearbox. And in those days, there was a company, J.C. Whitney. It was a magical thing. You could go to their catalog and say, I have a Pontiac engine and a Corvette gearbox, and they would sell you a bell housing and an adapter and to put it all together, and you could buy a Schaefer clutch. And so I built that car using the 54 Studebaker body, and I went to an interior shop, and we did rolled and pleated. And, you know, I used to take it out at night, even actually before I had a license. And there was a street racing scene on a road that had not, it was interesting. It was a a bypass, but it was completed, but it wasn't open for several years for some weird reason near us. So you could move the barricades and go driving. So we would go to the bypass and um, we would race each other and uh, I would drive the car. Now, obviously, I'm not in any way saying that what I did was smart. I mean, street racing is is ridiculous now and very dangerous, and I don't advocate it or or certainly get involved in it. But, you know, I was young and stupid. I was 15. It was 50 years ago. I think the statute of limitations is probably... (laughs) I think you're safe now, Jim. (laughs) Yeah, but that was really my first experience. Then I got my license, and I would take it and drive it up to Wingdale, which was the Dover Plains drag strip. And I used to race there, and um, that was probably a little safer than on the bypass. But um, the thing that I learned was you really had to make a strong car. 
I mean, it's one thing to make a car that you can start and drive around the block. It's another thing to make a car that you can drive 100 miles to a drag strip, run on the drag strip all day and drive home. And I had a lot of breakdowns and, and learned about that. And I went down some crazy roads that um, luckily I survived. But, you know, in those days, you could, in the back of car magazines, they would have ads for certain bizarre products. And one of them that I remember was called Turbonique. I don't know if you remember Turbonique. Turbonique. No, I don't remember that. It was basically a turbine rocket engine that they had concocted that you could put on a Ford 10-inch differential. It would drive backward. It was behind the diff, and you had a spark plug in it, and they would sell you, if you can believe this, and ship it to your home in the mail, rocket fuel. Oh, my gosh. Incredibly taxing. Yeah. And you would put it in a little tank. You would turn on a direct link to the battery to the spark plug. It would light the rocket fuel, and it would make you know, 500 horsepower for 10 seconds or 20 seconds driven backwards through the differential. And then your engine in the front of the car would be powering it also. You know, if you look up Turbonique on the net, you can find crazy stories about it. And um, the company went bankrupt or then the guy, I think, went to jail for mail fraud or something. But And today there are units in cars that have it. But the guys involved with it, if you ask them, you know, how do you recommend I start it? They'll tell you, I recommend you don't. (laughs) I had a friend who had an Austin Healey and was convinced that he wanted to put this unit on the Austin Healey so he could show people that they think it was just an Austin Healey, but it would be a really quick drag car. And I did the installation for him, and I was smart enough to spool out 100 or 200 feet of zip cord and hide behind a rock (laughs) when I fired it up. And there was a huge explosion, and the differential exploded, and the rear of the car exploded in a big fireball. And so that was my foray into turbo. (laughs) Oh, my gosh. Yeah, the next time was when I um, became successful um, through some entrepreneurial ventures I was in. I used that money to fund a motion picture that I wrote and directed, and that was very successful. I made some money. And I bought my first, what you could consider a very, very special car. It was a 275 GTB, two-cam, long-nose alloy uh, Ferrari, uh, yellow with the psychedelic purple stripe on it. And I didn't know it at the time, but the car had raced in the Targa Florio. Not didn't do very well, but so it was a really cool car. And I drove that car as a daily driver 65,000 miles through New York City streets in the rain and the snow. And the most uh, memorable thing I ever did with that car was on the day that uh, President Nixon dropped the national speed limit to 55 miles an hour in an act of civil disobedience, planning to get arrested. I, from basically 2 in the morning till uh, I left Boston, in that car and I tried to set the Boston New York speed record and I think I did I don't think it's ever been beaten maybe it has I did it in two hours I averaged 107 miles an hour for two hours on uh, oh my Boston, New York. gosh you're the American version of rendezvous yeah <laughs> I, it is and I and I, I didn't get stopped arrested or anything and uh, the statute of limitations is passed on that one <laughs> yeah too. Um, that is the one I sold unfortunately I did not have enough money to buy an additional car, so I sold that car 
to buy my Lola. Obviously, today, that car is probably a lot more valuable than my Lola. Although my Lola, weirdly, you know, it won eight major races. It's ex Donna Yupensky. It's the first SCG. And weirdly, I bought it from, uh, it had an Andy Warhol connection. He had bought the car to use in a proposed movie that never got made, perhaps. So it has some Warhol history. It has Donnie Penske history, eight major races. And it's the first SCG, so who knows? Maybe that's worth something, too. But, but then my film career really did well. I made enough money. I was able not to have to sell a car to buy a car. And I continued down the road. <laughs> wow. Continuing down the road, you've been down some very interesting roads, that's for sure. Well, let's talk about today. What are you working on right now? You alluded to it earlier that has you really excited and fired up. Well, we're very excited about our Stradale. You know, that's the dream. Can you make a car with your name on it that is just a spectacular road-going car? It's a sports car. It handles real well. If you took it to the Nuremberg Ring, you probably could set the lap record for a street car in it. You could do slight modifications to it and race the 24 hours of Nürburgring. It's competition proven and tested, and it looks pretty cool. And that's really um, one dream we're working on. And that car, we just debuted it at the Geneva Auto Show. We got a very strong reception, a lot of uh, pre-order interest. We're going to finish developing it, make sure it works really well, and we're going to take it to Car Week at Monterey this summer and uh, show it at the Quail. And also, we are going to bring to Pebble Beach two cars from our collection, which in my opinion are the most spectacular Ferrari one-off show cars ever made. One of them is Dino Competizione, and the other one is uh, Ferrari 512S Mogolo, which is really incredible against long, long odds that I was able to become the first owner of from Panini Farina. And that car, to me, is the most iconic Ferrari concept car ever made. And uh, one that 100 years from now will still be in museums. You know, it's been in museums. And when we bought that car, it had never run. They had never finished it. And uh, I assembled a lot of the people who worked on it. And uh, my trusty mechanic, Sal Baron, who's been with me for uh, 40 years working on my cars. Uh-huh. He sourced all of the missing internal pieces of the engine. It had no camshafts, no crankshafts, no pistons, no valve springs. All of the internal parts of the gearbox, and we're going to make that car run, and we're going to bring Mojolo and Dino Competizione to Pebble Beach. So it's been a wonderful, wonderful year. The other thing that was just incredible for me personally was I was invited by the Italian government, basically, on the 100th anniversary of the Targo Florio to bring my original P34 that Nino Vaccarella had driven twice. And um, as part of that, the Auto ASI, ASI, the certification of the Italian auto club that certifies the originality of the cars, inspected it, certified it as being the original 0846, invited it to the 100th anniversary, and driving with Nino Vaccanella on the original first leg of the course, which they closed in front of the fans, I mean, it's just not something I'm soon going to forget. No, no, absolutely, especially in that car, one of the most beautiful cars ever ever designed, in my opinion. Now, here's a very introspective question for you, Jim. If you were a car, if Jim was a car, 
What kind of car would Jim be and why? Oh, I don't know. I think I would be something that is like, you know, my collector cars or SCG or even something like the Steve McQueen Baja boot that I was able to purchase in that I like cars that you can drive on the road, but also can race in real races, whether they're the Baja, 24 Hours of Le Mans, the Targa Florio, or things like that. So that's the kind of car I would like to be. I thought so. Perfect answer for you. Well, Jim, up next is the last lap. But before we put the pedal to the metal, let's say thank you to today's Cars Yeah sponsors. Everyone who knows me knows I'm really picky when it comes to my cars and keeping them looking new. I'm a huge fan of Covercraft floor mats. I've protected my vehicle with their products for decades. Want to keep your vehicle's interior looking new? It's easy with Covercraft floor mats. They will protect your vehicle's factory carpets from daily abuse, weather, pets, children, weekend adventures, and those everyday spills. It's a fast, easy, and stylish way to keep your vehicle looking new. Covercraft floor mats come in a wide variety of styles, materials, and configurations, all designed for maximum protection. In addition to Premier Plush and Berber Custom Floor Mats, you'll also find cargo liners, canine cargo area liners, dash covers, and sunscreens. Enhance your vehicle's looks while protecting the factory finishes with easy-to-install and easy-to-clean floor mats. Covercraft is the right choice. Learn more today at Covercraft.com and tell them Mark at Cars Yeah sent you. That's Covercraft.com. If you own collector cars and still have a little bit of money left over, congratulations. You're ahead of most people, but what should you do with the money you don't spend on cars? Talk to Chris Kimball, Certified Financial Planner Practitioner. For over 20 years, he's been helping people just like you and me with their financial planning and investments. And he's a car guy, too. Call 253-722-PLAN. Or you can view his website at www.chrisvkimball.com. Make sure your investments are running on all eight cylinders, or 12, or 16. Securities through Money Concepts Capital Corp. member, Finra Sipic. Are you looking for a way to get your products or services into the ears of thousands of automotive enthusiasts around the globe? I can help. This is Mark Green here at Cars Yeah, and I'd be honored to be an influencer and ambassador for your brand in a unique and personal way. Five days a week, Thousands of subscribers and listeners enjoy the Cars Yeah! podcast and website. Contact me today and I'll show you how at mark at com or connect with me through the Cars Yeah! website at com. All right, Jim, we are back and we're entering the last lap. And this is where I'm going to fire off a series of questions and ask you to give our listeners some very quick blips of the throttle answers. So here we go. What's the best automotive advice you've ever received? I think it was from Jim Hall, who, you know, dared to try things that no one had tried, such as a movable wing, a vacuum that sucked the car to the ground with a snowmobile engine. So I would say that it was from engineers and racers like Jim Hall. What a wonderful guy. I'll never forget the day at Laguna Seca during car race, the historics. Those chaparels sitting out there, Vic Elfert climbed into that vacuum car and took off down the track in it. And, uh, oh, yeah, Jim is a, a spectacular, amazing person. Now, would you share one of your personal habits you believe has helped contribute to your successes over the years? Yeah, I think it would be being as organized as you possibly can be. Because I think that, you know, to do anything 
that is going to unfold over months and years. You really just have to be organized and go step by step by step by step. You know, one of the things I noticed when I saw some uh, pictures online of your garage, which made me smile because I'm this way too, you're a very organized guy. I mean, everything has its place on the shelf. Everything's perfectly aligned. Everything is put away, easy to access, easy to find. So uh, it made me smile, Jim, that's for sure. Now, how about resources? There's a lot of awesome resources, but is there one in particular you'd like to share with the Car Show listeners? Well, I think that the advent of computers and computer-aided design has really changed the world. I mean, in the old days, you would have to do wind tunnel testing, which was very, very expensive and very physically difficult and complicated to do. Um, now, with computer-aided uh, wind tunnel testing... And with the idea that you can go from a sketch to a 3D print to manufacturing a part without having to do incredible amounts of machining prototyping has just been fantastic. Absolutely. Now, if you could have a drink with anyone in the automotive industry, living or deceased, who would it be? You know, that's an interesting question. I think that there have been many, many great people in the automotive industry. I've been lucky to have drinks with people like Jim Hall and Carol Shelby and uh, Mr. Kennedy. I never met Mr. Ferrari. Um, you know, I think that he was an amazing person. Of course, I would, I would have liked to have known him. But I just think that, you know, there are heroes out there every day. And I love going to shows and meeting people and talking with them and going to races and meeting them and talking to them. And, you know, some of the great drivers who died too young, I was fortunate to know Mark Donahue. I knew Bruce McLaren. And uh, I would have liked to have known Lorenzo Bandini. But, um, you know, they're all great. There's no one that stands out who is just the end and the all. You know, there are a lot of great people. Well, you've been very fortunate to meet so many awesome people in the industry. Now, there's a lot of great books these days and in the past, but is there one book in particular you think that our listeners should crack open and read? Yeah, I think, um, you know, A.J. Blaine's book on um, the Ford-Ferrari Wars is very is a very good one, and I think that that's a good one. But there are a lot of good books. You know, Mr. Ferrari's autobiography is interesting because the English translation is sort of this, the Enzo Ferrari story, but the original Italian translates more as my life of terrible joys. <laughs> and I think that's, you know, it's the bittersweet part of it that's important. Yeah, absolutely. Well, listeners, you can find links to all these awesome resources that Jim has shared with us on his show notes page at the Cars yeah! website. Just type Jim Galickenhaus into the search bar and you'll find that page with all these great links. There's another great place on the site called Guest Recommended Books where these two books and guest recommendations from the past 755 guests are listed there for quick, easy clicks to buy. All right, Jim, we're up to the checkered flag. You know what that means? We're almost there. This last question can be a real doozy, though, especially for a collector like you. If you could have only one, I'm sorry, I said one, collector car in your garage, but don't worry about whatever it is because I'm going to get you whatever it is. You might already have it. What would that vehicle be and why? Um, I think if there was one car that I could have that I can't have, no one can have, it would be the Fiat Turbina. To me, that car visually... I've incorporated a lot of the design elements of it into SCG-003 and um, the space age 
Jetson aspect of it, it being a turbine car, is just one of the most wonderful things in the world. It's in the National Auto Museum of Turin, and every time I go to Torino, I try to visit it. Wow. Well, you're the first one, and I'm kind of surprised. The first guest out of 755 guests now, 56 guests that have selected that car because it is so beautiful and so spectacular. But I kind of pick, figured you'd pick something unique and very different. Jim, you have taken us on an incredible ride today. I want to thank you for sharing your life's journey with automobiles with my listeners here. And I want to thank you for taking some time with me this morning. Could you offer us one parting piece of wisdom and guidance before you rip off into the sunset in that Fiat Turbina? Yes. My advice is enjoy every day uh, because life is short. Absolutely. What's the best way for our listeners to learn more about you and what you're doing these days? Uh, it's to follow us on Facebook, Scuderia Cameron Glickenhaus, and our scg003.com, project.com, and p45competizione, or, or p45c.com, those three web addresses. Absolutely. Well, listeners, again, I'm assuming most of you, if not all of you, already know about Jim, but I'll make sure that I put links to all these great websites on his show notes page on the Cars Yeah website. Follow what this gentleman is up to. Absolutely spectacular. Living the dream creating things for all of us to enjoy. Jim, thanks again for being so generous today with your time and expertise and for sharing your life's experiences with me and the Cars Yeah audience. Until we talk again, I'll see you down the road. Absolutely, Mark. A real pleasure. And I look forward to seeing you at Pebble with uh, Mojolo and Dino Competizione and at Quail with um, OO3. I will be there. Thank you so much. Thanks, Mark. My pleasure. I'll see you soon. Ciao. What's every automotive enthusiast's dream? To design and build that perfect garage. My friends at Metron Garage are a group of creative talents who've combined their passion for cars with their careers in architecture. Their service includes unique garage design and state-of-the-art fabrication. They will create the coolest custom garage for you and your vehicles. Metron Garage's system features fully engineered commercial-grade material and structural framing that's stronger than traditional construction. Their designs are pre-engineered to meet your building codes for fast, bolt-together construction. With over 25 years of experience, you'll see a 3D rendering to visualize your custom garage, and the final structure will fulfill all your storage needs. Contact Metron Garage today and begin realizing your dream garage. Go to metrongarage.com. That's metrongarage.com. Dot com. Garage is built for discerning enthusiasts. Where it's not just a garage, it's where your dream garage comes true. Thank you so much for joining us on today's ride here at Cars Yeah. Drive on over to CarsYeah.com to find show notes and inspiring automotive fun. Download your free copy of Filler Up, a fun book filled with gorgeous photographs of fuel filler fun, including quotes from more inspiring automotive enthusiasts. Download your copy today, and we'll see you next time on Cars Yeah!